cabrita siembra y brote una semilla Que sean de amor, de creatividad y de familia Pónganse profundas que levantan el mundo como el sol de un nuevo día That was Rico Pavón with Imagínate, and this is Aurora Levens Morales with Letters from Earth. Honorable Harvests. Every morning I start my day listening to a few minutes of Robin Wall Kimmerer reading from her book Braiding Sweetgrass. It's my favorite kind of writing, a rich blend of the intimate and the global, of science and poetry, of intuitive and intellectual knowing. The author is a Potawatomi botanist, trained in both Eurocentric and indigenous science. Through her stories of human relationships with plants and animals, and the webs of kinship and mutuality between the other species of our world, what she offers is an ecological philosophy of life, based on reciprocity, awareness, and respect, the giving and taking of gifts, on loving the earth and ourselves. I listen for just a few minutes at a time, and if my mind wanders at all, I rewind, not wanting to miss any of the nutrients. For the last few days she's been talking about the indigenous principle of honorable harvest, not only to take no more than we need, no more than half ever, to take only in ways that increase the ability of the earth to give more in the future, but also to take only what is given which means learning how to listen for consent, to expand our awareness until we know how many leaves the basil plant can spare, because we are noticing the personhood of the plant, its being in its own right and not just as a source of pesto. Since I've come to live in the farmlands of northern Marin County, I am more intimate with the origins of at least some of my food, and it's changing how I eat. My eggs come from a neighboring farm and cost much more than the cheapest organic eggs at Whole Foods. I don't have a lot of money, and at first I resisted paying $8 for a dozen extra-large eggs. But as I learned more about how chickens live, walked the nearby pasture followed by a flock of hopeful hens, and thought about how much chicken I eat, it began to seem more reasonable. Eggs in the supermarket cold case are supplies. The eggs that I get from these pastured hens are gifts. The store-bought eggs are uniform in size and color. When I drive a couple of miles to Hansful Farm, open the roadside hutch where eggs await in a cooler next to a mason jar of money, and lift out a dozen big eggs, they shine like pearls in shades of cream, brown, and pale green. I can tell that they came from hens, that the hens ate bugs and seeds and weeds and turned them into these beautiful objects, intending to feed their own young, that they are feeding me instead, and that each egg is a treasure. At home I keep them in a bowl on the counter. Eggs don't need to be refrigerated for the short haul, and this way I am fed beauty as well as protein. I use them up more slowly than store-bought eggs, think more carefully about how I will use them. I save the shells in a bucket with vegetable peelings and food scrapings and walk across the road in the mornings to feed them to the pigs. I eat fewer, better eggs and am careful not to waste them. Each time I see them glowing on my counter, I'm reminded of the hens they came from and feel grateful. Yesterday I got my first of the roosters that were killed for market last week. 
They were in the freezer across the way, and when I pulled mine out there was still a feather clinging to one leg. This is one of the speckled black-and-white roosters I was feeding my vegetable peelings to last month. I set the frozen bird in my sun oven, and a few hours later took the half-cooked bird out to add lemon, garlic, and salt. It cooked slowly in the sun until supper-time. When I tasted the meat made tender from the slow heat, it had a stronger flavor than store-bought chicken. I ate it slowly, remembering the flock, and then picked every bit of meat from the bones, shredded it and put it in the fridge, before setting the bones and cartilage to simmer for broth. It's harder to let myself waste any part of this bird. Eating this way is not an option for a lot of people. The structure of our food economy is geared toward mass production, uniformity, the dishonorable harvest of maximum extractions that exhausts both soils and animals. Half of all people live in cities, and poor urban neighborhoods often lack any sources of fresh produce, let alone organically grown. The pressures of economic exploitation deprive most poor and working-class people of the time and unpaved dirt it would take to grow their own. Our ability to exercise honorable harvest is constrained and disrupted by the immense scale of extraction. But each act of reciprocity with the natural world is a shift of consciousness. Any room with a windowsill can host a few lettuce plants, a pot of kale, something living that we can water, feed, and be fed by. I have been thinking, too, about the honorable harvest of words, what it means to write only that which is given to me to write, the stories that offer themselves. It's one area of my life in which I most clearly experience the difference between grabbing and accepting. The impulse to grab is about fear and the obligations rooted in fear. As someone whose body itself has been the target of dishonorable harvesting, I know that the experience of being ransacked leaves us with a hunger for security that can't be met by consumption. But there's always the pull to hoard against the return of bad times, to create stashes that are disconnected from community. Sure, it's wise to have reserves of food and water, medicine and cash, but the times when my harvest tips toward plunder aren't really about being prepared. They're about distrust and isolation, about the fear that the community of living things will let me starve and go thirsty, that I'll be alone and impoverished. And this does happen to people all the time. There are famines right now in numerous places around the world, but those famines are the direct result of a plundering relationship with the earth and the only way they will end is by restoring reciprocity with all that keeps us alive. So while I sip my rooster broth, I'm going to be a gatherer of words. I'm going to listen to the living world and its stories, expand my awareness in what Kimmerer describes as a kind of peripheral vision, something I learned as a child in the subtropical forests of western Puerto Rico. I'm going to wait for the story that offers itself. Thank it for coming and then give it to you. <laughs>